0: Hello friends and welcome to this episode of the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can, in fact, follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you enjoy this episode, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and the Odyssey app. Doing so keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis and allows you to catch up on any previous episodes you might have missed. On tonight's show, I did think it would be wise to talk about Winnipeg versus Montreal. We have a couple of games, one of which is currently underway in the third period. We've talked about Winnipeg's home games, and now it was time for a road swing. The Jets kind of looking a little bit on the uh, the downswing, right? We all knew that Winnipeg was kind of in tough after Game 1, but I don't think we were quite prepared for just how difficult things were going to be. In Game 3, you know, the Jets kind of found themselves in a really bad spot. Winnipeg basically wasn't creating for most of the game, and you could sort of tell that, relatively speaking, the Jets' defense was something of a trash fire. Winnipeg's blue line has been in various states of disrepair this season. We've seen them be pretty poor at times, but I think that even by their standards, this was just a little bit scary. Dylan DeMello's absence has definitely cratered this blue line, and it's very obvious that the Jets just don't really have a replacement for him. It's hard to find a top 4D under normal circumstances, let alone one of the only top 4D on your roster. The Jets needed to be nearly perfect, and they just didn't quite have it. I'm not going to say that DeMello could have shaped the the course of the game necessarily, because I don't know that that's 100% true. DeMello is very good defensively, and he actually does promote some really good offensive zone possession, but Winnipeg in general just not that great. That said, maybe his overall puck support would have been enough to really be a a difference maker against this team. You know, Montreal is one of those squads that, while it doesn't really have, like, the world's top-end talent, it certainly has a team that understands its role knows how to play and get under Winnipeg's skin, and pressures in the exact right areas to put Winnipeg in a bad spot. So, you know, I have to give Montreal a lot of credit, and I think Dominic Ducharme has actually learned a decent amount over the past couple of weeks. I didn't really expect Montreal to adapt this quickly, but they've found a pretty good formula against Winnipeg, and they're actually outplaying them by a pretty healthy margin. That said, Montreal definitely has room for improvement, and I think if they have to go to the next round, it's going to be pretty ugly. You know, they're going to get one of Vegas or Colorado, and both of those teams are vastly superior to anything Winnipeg has given them. Even Toronto, the top team in the North, really pales in comparison when you look at the way Vegas and Colorado play. You know, the Knights and Avs are just playing at a distinctly higher level. Although, intriguingly, there is a bit of a shift in that series. It looks like the Knights have finally figured out how to outplay Colorado and really shut down a lot of the transition offense that Colorado likes to create, especially the waves of pressure that Colorado establishes once they have offensive zone possession. We'll dive into that series and some of the subsequent turns in tomorrow's episode. Tonight, we're going to focus on Winnipeg versus Montreal. And in Game 3, I was just really disappointed by what Winnipeg had to offer. I felt like the Jets were slow. They didn't really look any better than they did in the past couple of games. You know, it's really bad when Connor Hellebuck does just about everything but stand on his head, and Winnipeg still can't make use of it and it was like Winnipeg was basically stifled the whole game. There weren't that many great scoring lanes and shooting opportunities for the Jets, and even when they finally got a good break or something, they'd hit the crossbar. They did it a couple of times, but even then, Montreal was still the much better team. The Habs are one of those squads where you really have to take advantage against them because it seems like right now, Montreal is doing a really good job of aggressively forechecking, shutting down Winnipeg's transition, and forcing turnovers from the Jets. Or even when they're not forcing turnovers, Winnipeg's just giving them the puck anyways. It was very apparent that the Jets were a bit overmatched, and it's kind of hard to imagine this being how the series would pan out if you asked me this a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, the Shifley and DeMello absences make a huge difference, but even if they were here, I'm not really sure that the result would be all that different. DeMello, I would say, probably has the most impact in terms of, like, pushing down a lot of the other D-pairings. But let's be honest, against the Edmonton Oilers, the Jets weren't exactly sparkling. I think that they were better than what they've shown in this series, but not by much. I would say the only difference is that they actually scored goals, and they were maybe a little bit less embarrassing defensively. All that said, it's really hard to, you know, say that one series is definitely better than the other. They're basically the same in a lot of areas, but now that the Jets have a much more limited personnel selection that they can choose from, the Jets are basically in a tough spot. A lot of their vulnerabilities are on much bigger display and Montreal has done a pretty good job of exploiting it. So, this first game, you know, on the road, I felt like the Jets had a chance to maybe try and claw back something. I wasn't really expecting the Jets to be good, and I wasn't really sure how the Jets were going to handle this. Back-to-backs, even with Paul Stastny rejoining the team, I just didn't really feel comfortable with. You know, Stastny was placed out on wing for the first game, and it was clear that Paul wasn't really 100%. It sounded like he wasn't able to shoot in, in practice successfully, and certainly not comfortably, so it felt like the Jets were definitely trying to force him back in when he's not really 100%. And I get it. You know, the center depth is poor. The Jets forwards are running real low on experience and skill. You you have to kind of work with what you've got. But I don't think that pushing Stastny to come back in Game 3 had the impact that they were hoping. A lot of the young guns definitely weren't prepared either. I mean, Jansen Harkins hasn't been playing much. Christian Besselainen doesn't have that many NHL games under his belt. It's hard to find another option to replace Stastny, but... Whatever it is that you can do, you have to find somebody who's healthy and try and at least save Stastny just a little bit longer. You don't want to burn him out if you have a chance to come back in game number four, especially if the guy literally can't shoot. And by that point, you know, Winnipeg just... It, the scoreline reflected that game pretty fairly. I think Winnipeg was kind of at the point where, you know, Stastny coming back really wasn't enough to save it, and Hellebuck had to be perfect, and he just wasn't. You know, I can't really blame Hellebuck at all. I think the the Jets basically left him completely exposed. It's been the story of the series that defensively the Jets are really struggling. Jordy Benn has come back in for DeMello, and it's still not working out. I also felt like Stanley in particular had a really rough game again, which is not surprising. Logan has been over his head in this, in this entire series, and unfortunately in this third game, didn't really change. The 5-1 scoreline was more insult to injury at that point, but I think the Corey-Perry goal, which was the opening goal on the evening, showcased a lot of what I find wrong with this team. You know, when they get caught chasing or they they get outworked down low on the forecheck, they really struggle to defensively force a turnover or even man mark. I saw Perry basically just dance through the entire Winnipeg defense and then pull off a pretty cheeky little goal that wasn't a really strong shot, but it found a pretty good angle that Hellebuck really couldn't have covered because he was screened, so... An unfortunate goal, one of the situations where the Jets' defense basically just clicked off. I don't even know where Jordy Ben was, but it felt very representative of what the Jets were like for the entire game. The game technically wasn't a shutout, but it basically felt like one. And we'll discuss what the potential implications for the series and for the following game on Monday held for the Jets. Before then, though, I wanted to talk to you about Wealthfront. Stonks, memes, rocket ships, day trading. All of this is very confusing, or for some of you, it's a ton of fun. But if you want to grow your long-term wealth and make it to the moon, you should open up a Wealthfront investment account today. Investing can be complicated, but whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years, Wealthfront makes it easy. They have the right tools for every portfolio. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. There's no manual trades, no picking stocks, and no watching the stock market anxiously. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences you control. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com slash NHL. All you need is $500 to get started. To get your first $5,000 managed for free, for life, go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash LockedOnNHL, and start growing your savings. Go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL and get started today. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck. Lucy has been hard at work, researching, and developing for three years, and they've come up with two amazing nicotine alternatives, made for people, not patients. Lucy's created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three delicious flavors, including wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. Lucy has also developed a lozenge, also including four milligrams of nicotine, that comes in three flavors like cherry ice, citrus, and mint. Lucy lozenges and gums are FSA and HSA eligible, so you can use your FSA cards to purchase Lucy now. It's convenient and discreet. Lucy can be enjoyed anywhere, on flights, at work, on the go, or even in the gym. It's 2021. Get rid of your cigarettes, unplug your vape, throw out your dip, and get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's so simple, and you don't have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down. As mentioned earlier, Lucy lozenges and gums are all FSA and HSA eligible, so you can spend pre-tax dollars on them. Locked on NHL Network listeners can get a special offer. Go to lucy.co and use promo code NHL to get 20% off all products on your first order, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL at checkout. Also, I have to give this disclaimer. Warning this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Go to lucy.co and get started. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are recapping some thoughts about Winnipeg's game three before we move on to game number four. This has been a rather disappointing series, right? The first couple of games, not great. The first game was like a 5 3 loss, but of course, DeMello goes out, Shifley gets suspended. Yeah, not great. Game number two, nothing loss on a shorthanded opportunity. Another sad game at home. A very frustrating loss. You know, Winnipeg kind of in a tight bind at this point. Game number three, Winnipeg just kind of got smoked. If you're losing 5-1 in the way that the Jets are, there's a good chance that the series isn't going to last very long for you. And it kind of felt like the Jets were shutting down. I think this is one of the rare games where the body language was poor. Everyone seemed very upset. You could kind of get the sense that the Jets were just starting to quit. Not because they were trying to quit necessarily, but because they were demoralized. You know, it's hard to go through this series already down your top center, one of your top defenders, and down 2 nothing in the series, and feel like you have a shot at winning. You know, regardless of what the, the press quotes have been from the Jets, I think everyone knows the score line. They understand what's going on. They have a very good feeling that the Jets are in real trouble. And you have to imagine that the Jets right now are in as good of a playoff position to make some kind of a run as they'll ever be for the next couple of years. Unless things change management or coaching-wise, the Jets are kind of in a tough spot. They're moving back to the Central Division, this is their most chaotic run so far in the past couple of years, and the Jets basically have to somehow fend off Montreal, which is feeling the highs of beating Toronto, and try and pull out a win in the series. Obviously, Game 3 was a huge loss. That was a very disappointing result, but I don't think anyone's surprised. Every mistake the Jets made ended up in Winnipeg's net, so I just, I think you have to look at the series realistically and understand that anything past game number four would be something of a miracle. I just feel really disappointed because I felt like this was Winnipeg's chance to do something, and I didn't really feel like trading for anyone was going to move the needle, right? But I look at this team and I wonder what could have been if things were just a little bit different. Had Shifley not taken a suspension? Had DeMello not gotten nicked up in the first couple of minutes? You can't really do much about injuries, but you can certainly do something about a player who gets himself suspended, and I have to wonder what exactly Mark Scheifele's plan for the future is. This is the second straight year in which he's been out of the postseason, the first one totally out of his control. The second one, though, this one was him boiling over and losing all composure. Unfortunately, there's a very good argument that he has helped seal Winnipeg's fate, and it's not like the Jets were that great against Edmonton, so... You know, is it entirely on Shifley's shoulders? No. But I think he certainly bears a lot of responsibility in Winnipeg's struggles, and he has to know it, too. I'm sure he's feeling very guilty. I'm sure he feels very frustrated that this is kind of how it's panned out. And the Jets were just on the first end of a back-to-back in Montreal. You know, the the whole compressed schedule, trying to catch up to the U.S.-based teams, was putting a lot of stress on the Canadian squads. And I feel like this schedule, you know, maybe favored the Jets in some capacity, Maybe they could come back in game number four and put on something of a better performance. Maybe Montreal would actually be tired somehow, but, you know, rolling into game four, it felt like this was it. And I also kind of felt like the Jets have a lot of decisions to make. You know, watching this team continually do this kind of stuff in the postseason suggests that there's some actual issues at the top. You all have heard my thoughts about the coaching staff before, so I'm not going to go into that once again beyond the obvious that they do need to upgrade at some point because this team doesn't have that many great years of the core left. The Jets are getting older. You know, Winnipeg's roster situation isn't really improving. The defense is bad, but maybe has a shot next season to be decent. It's going to mean Heinle has to get in, though. And you also need to start working in Dylan Sandberg. This, right now, though, is Winnipeg's best shot at doing anything in the postseason because there's so much chaos. You know, theoretically, Hellebuck could go on a massive heater and somehow steal multiple rounds to win a cup. Now, that's that's like an extremely unlikely scenario. Even for Hellebuck, who's amazing, he can't stop everyone. You know, Vegas, Colorado, all these teams, they're going to score against Winnipeg and probably do it with abandon. But at least give yourself a shot. I mean, that's the most frustrating thing, is Winnipeg basically took itself out of the postseason picture as soon as the horn on Game 1 blew, and that just, for me, was so sad. I felt like this was a series I was looking forward to, and I was excited to see the Jets do something. Prove me wrong. Shut me up. But instead, I think the Jets have just proven that they can't really work beyond their flaws, and they need to have a major off-season of change. It doesn't even matter whether Winnipeg wins game number four or not, to be honest, because the changes are going to have to happen either way. They were always going to be necessary, even if the Jets advance deeper into this postseason. Which is crazy for people who are imagining this team like, if you were to win a cup, you know, why would you fire anyone? Why would you trade anyone? Well, the reality is... Maybe the way that you pulled off your cup victory isn't actually sustainable, and I think the Jets are finding out the hard way that the way that they've tried to play and what they're building with, it's not enough. But before the Jets even got to that question of the offseason and what is ahead for this team, they still had one more test, and that was to try and at least extend the series in game number four. We won't have the full thoughts on game number four, but we're going to have some early impressions, and we're going to have some things to say about this team that you're probably not going to be super thrilled with. Before we dive into the less fun aspects of game number 4, I did want to tell you a little bit about why Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. For those of you who are longtime listeners of this podcast, you know that I'm personally a huge fan of Bilt Bar. I love them, I think they're fantastic. And you want to know why? Because they're the only protein bar that tastes more like a candy bar, with a 100% chocolate exterior and a soft chewy interior. They come in 9 fantastic flavors like coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. But always be sure to check back at BuiltBar.com and stay tuned to their social media because they have very special, limited edition, limited quantity flavors that you can only get once or twice. Trust me, you won't want to miss these, because as good as they taste, they're even better for you, with most Built Bars clocking in at around 130-170 to 170 calories, 4-5 to 5 grams of net carbs, and 17-18 to 18 grams of protein. They're perfect for every single lifestyle and need. To place your order, go to billpar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 at checkout, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 at checkout, and you'll get 15% off at billpar.com. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are giving some early thoughts on Winnipeg Jets versus Montreal in Game 4, and folks, it wasn't a pretty start. Winnipeg looked exactly like you'd expect a team on the back end of a back-to-back consecutive night, especially against an opponent that just kind of spanked him 5-1 the previous evening. The Jets were slow, I didn't feel like the Jets defensively were very aware, there were lots of turnovers, tons of defensive zone mistakes, It, it was a bit disorganized, a bit of a mess, and it's kind of fortunate that Montreal wasn't able to take more advantage of it. Unfortunately, Winnipeg's penchant for a lot of mistakes, like penalties and some really poor decision-making with the puck, ended up costing the Jets a couple of early goals, and I feel like it shows a lot of why Winnipeg needs to think about restructuring in the offseason. the The blue line especially was noticeable because of how slow it was, and how many times it would make really poor passes, turn over the puck under pressure, and then you'd watch the forwards do the same thing, either inside their own blue line or at the other end of the ice. In my mind Kyle Connor is the perfect example of this because you know Connor's obviously extraordinarily talented. He's one of Winnipeg's top goal scorers, amazing on the puck, but when he's away from the puck or he's under pressure, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a struggle. He had a couple of really egregious turnovers tonight that were just baffling and I didn't really understand what he was trying to do. I don't know if he thought he could get through like 2 to 3 opposing skaters at a time, but these are just decisions that at the pro level you can't make not where he was on the ice. If you're trying to do it at somebody's opposing blue line or at your own, you're you're asking for trouble. And I think that that's one of the things with the Jets that I just I don't really understand. There are so many times where they need to make a better read or a better decision and they opt for the most dangerous, most risky option or even if even if it's a simple decision, they somehow mess it up anyways. The Jets have overcomplicated everything over the past couple of seasons and I feel like this series is is a good example of why the Jets really struggle to make simple decisions. Or work under Paul Maurice's systems. Unfortunately, everything that they do just somehow ends up in the back of their net. And against Montreal, in a must win game just to save the season, Winnipeg just looked utterly outclassed in the opening periods. I felt like Winnipeg just didn't really have much going. About the only saving grace was that Logan Stanley, of all people, somehow scored a brace in a couple of minutes to tie the game and keep the Jets alive. Connor Hellebuck had to do the rest to try and lift this team and at least force some kind of a third period or even an overtime. But let's be honest, you could kind of sense that at some point Winnipeg was not coming out of this, particularly on the winning side, and I feel like it it doesn't matter what the scoreline was. For me, I just felt like this game was a perfect encapsulation of why, if if there's not change this offseason, the Jets are not winning a cup anytime soon. Winnipeg has to do something. I feel like even with the injuries and the suspensions, all of that being factored in, the way that Winnipeg performed was simply unacceptable. Even if the Jets were to win it in overtime... It doesn't excuse, you know, a season's worth of poor performance, a playoff run that's come to an absolute screeching halt, and a team that for the past couple of years really hasn't looked all that much different. Winnipeg, ever since 2017-2018, has just been backsliding, backsliding, backsliding. And even when they improve, it's just a couple of games here and there, they look competent. This team has way too much talent to be messing around in in the, you know, round one or two of these playoff runs and not doing anything to show for it. There's a version of this team that can actually make noise in the playoffs. I truly believe that, but it's not going to happen with this coaching staff and with a front office that's not willing to make the really difficult decisions, even if it's going to put somebody at risk. I feel like the Jets have to be bold because the window of opportunity to win something is rapidly closing. It's already been closing for multiple seasons, and now it's almost shut. The Jets have to do something bold now or never because it's not going to be good if the Jets sit on their hands again for another offseason and wait for things to change. We'll have deeper thoughts on tonight's game on tomorrow's episode as well as some other insights from around the NHL. But for tonight's podcast, that is going to do it. Before you log off, be sure to check out a couple of our wonderful podcasts. You need more hockey news and Locked on NHL This here to fill the gap. It's our daily podcast on everything happening in the leagues. Subscribe and listen each day for a quick look at the biggest stories and game recaps each day. Subscribe to Locked On NHL Today wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You should also be tuned in to Locked On Today. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!